you have to have a roadmap of where you're going and what you're doing because you're more likely to get there if you do. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I am your host today, Matt Rouse. Usually Jeremy is our host, but he is busy today and he's not going to be available. So I am going to do the one-to-one thing here with business and executive coach, Carrie Walls. And today our topic is getting your business unstuck. So Carrie, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm mostly a business coach and executive as well, but I especially help businesses when they're up and running. They've had a few years that are they're successful, maybe have three to four employees and they're trying to take it to the next level. I find this is a great time for business coaching to really pay for itself and some and It's often a place that people get stuck because they have trouble having it not be dependent on them. And so it's a really important part of the business. I also work with partnerships where I say that they skip the premarital counseling and maybe they get into some issues around reactive communication, misalignment or unequal workloads. So that's an area I help people with as well. And we've talked quite a bit before. So you used to be in our networking group in Portland, Oregon, but then you moved to Portland, Maine. Right. So we don't see each other as often anymore. No. But I see. We follow you on LinkedIn all the time, by the way. Oh, thanks. So like, I like your LinkedIn stuff. Yeah. So I think the first thing that we should talk about are what are the biggest problems business owners face when they are trying to grow their business? I think growing your business is both an internal and an external game. There are things you have to do externally. Maybe it's hiring. Maybe it's having different systems, getting more organized, getting a training program, all that stuff out in the world. But it's also an internal game. How do you lead from a different lane, from a different sight line? and not be so in the doing of the business. Most business owners start a business because they're very good at their skill. Say it's a chiropractor or masseuse or a marketing expert such as yourself, but they don't necessarily have all the business background that goes with it. And they often try to run their business. They focus on what generates revenue, which we all do, but then they try to do all that other stuff like sales and marketing, looking at their financials, if they have financials, (laughs) uh, business planning, admin, HR staff. They try to do all that around the edges, maybe late at night, on weekends. And they really need to learn to be a business owner and manage all of those and be consistent. So when a business owner, and I mean, honestly, I talk to people probably on an almost daily basis that have these kinds of problems. Yeah, I bet. Because we deal with a lot of kind of middle-sized small business, I guess you would call them. They're like big enough to have employees, but not big enough to have a marketing department. That's kind of our sweet spot, Mm -hmm. right? They're also generally, where the owner is like, like you were saying, like they're trying to do everything. So they're like trying to do their own books and QuickBooks instead of getting a bookkeeper, or they're like trying to manage HR and hiring and firing and still doing work in the business instead of working on the business. They're not doing leadership stuff. Right. And these are all pretty common problems, right? Yeah, exactly. 
And I often focus on helping people with both their success and their fulfillment because both are important. So like I have a business owner and this is like classic straight from the e-myth where he's really an outdoor expert and loves the outdoors and has a very successful business, highly profitable. And then he finds himself in front of a computer all the time and hates it. <laughs> but so how does he get all the gold he has out of his head and replicate other people so they can be doing some of the things that he doesn't like to do anymore? And it relates to like the email you sent out this week about opportunity costs. There's an opportunity cost to the business if he keeps doing things at too low a sightline. He'll miss other opportunities. Just like once we started working together, he ended up being able to be more strategic. And he added this one little thing on each page of his website about why you can trust them and their reviews and their business shot way up right away. It's amazing how those little changes can make like such a big impact, especially changes related to things like trust and, you know, having testimonials from clients and things like that are super important too on websites. But I don't want to kind of get off topic on that. But when you were you were saying like, talking about having a higher sight line what do you mean by sight line when you say it that way is it like instead of looking at the business from a transactional kind of level and what the day-to-day operational stuff is are you talking about maybe looking at a higher level like strategic planning and structure of the business and stuff like that right well people are so in the day-to-day operations with everything that's coming at them all the time and responding to that so they really don't step away and work on the business not in the business like the e-myth talks about and any minute i say any minute you spend on the business not in it you free up hours later so people think like they don't have enough time but if they can really step back so they can work smarter not harder and have a roadmap where they're going because i help people do business plans but it's not like necessarily a business plan they take to the bank, but you have to have a roadmap of where you're going and what you're doing because you're more likely to get there if you do, if you have a plan versus you're just responding to this or that and you're kind of in putting out fire mode. So it's really stepping back and looking at the business so strategically and generally that's what business coaching is. I have lots of business owners over the last 20 years, the only business of the business time they spent was when they were talking to me. Not my recommendation, but that's better right. than nothing. <laughs> that's true. And I think, I, I don't remember who said it exactly. I think it might have been in Gary Keller's book on the one thing. They were talking about setting aside time to work on your business, specific time in your calendar. And they kind of mentioned the analogy of it's like putting a rock into a stream when you put something on your calendar and all the other work will flow around it. Mm-hmm. And we did that I mean, in our business. We've done that for a couple of years now. And it is absolutely vital the few hours a week that I have marked on the calendar that we don't have other meetings, we don't have anything else, and I just work on stuff for the business. Yeah. I don't answer email, I don't do anything else. And those compound into long-term benefits, strategy, you know, like you're saying... And, you know, a lot of these things I've learned from talking to you, too. So, (laughs) you know, so it's helpful. Right. Right. 
Well, one of the things doing that and one of the things I tell people is to hold it like it's appointment, an appointment with somebody. If you were going to change an appointment with somebody, you would move it someplace else because sometimes you do have to change that. But people often are better keeping their word to somebody else than they are to themselves. And part of the great part about being self-employed, you get to do what you want. And probably the worst part is you get to do what you want. <laughs> so yeah. there's... They say when you're self-employed, you have a shitty boss. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't get to blame it on anybody else. That's right. But it is a different... You got to organize yourself, figure it out. I know once I left where I was before... I was so amazed with how much structure a job provides. Like you just step into a structure and it just sweeps you up. Whereas if you're self-employed or you're starting a business, you're creating the whole thing. There isn't any of that structure and you need to put some in. So having a regular time where you think about the business and you step back is really critically important. Kind of that idea of building some slack into the system, giving yourself some time to think and giving yourself some time to do the strategy and creative work, I think is 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 sadly lacking in the business world now because of the always on instant notification email on your phone yeah. that's always in hands reach 24 hours a day. You know, that kind of things is, is tough. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask you today was kind of related to that business owner's how can business owners, you were talking about like getting the gold out of your client's head, right? Mm -hmm. To other people. Right. How do business owners pass on their knowledge to like operational staff? Usually they don't know how much knowledge is in them. They've learned it over time. Maybe they've learned it over the past three years or five years and they learned it as the business grew. So the business was smaller and they learned it going along. And then they often get frustrated with employees for not learning it fast enough, but they haven't gotten it out of themselves and they don't realize all the assumptions they're making. And how do you set it up so an employee can really learn it, feel successful, not have to do it just exactly like you do it, but still produce the results that you need. So that generally takes a conversation with someone outside of you to start to become aware of that. And that's where and, coaching is really helpful. And I think going along with that, too, is like, how can a business owner or an executive, right, how can they kind of avoid the shiny object syndrome that especially happens in the marketing and sales world? But I'm sure it happens a little bit everywhere. But, you know, there's a new platform, some new marketing tech software or sales software or CRM or something coming out every five minutes. So I guess how can you help business owners avoid that shiny object syndrome problem? Well, it helps to have a business plan and you can adjust your business plan when something happens. But that's part of it. It does it fit in with the plan. Do you test it and really see if it's a good thing? As a business owner, I'm sure you know and you learn, you do do things that make you money. So you make an investment for a return. And I find that a lot of times business owners really don't analyze what's the return. I tend to look at something and go, okay, if I invest this, that's one client. Okay, that makes sense. I can do that. But to look at it from a business perspective and business money is different than personal money. It's not the same. 
yes, maybe a mortgage is one thing we invest in that appreciates over time, but mostly personally, we just spend money and it's gone. (laughs) And then, but in a business, you're always, you're investing in an employee for a return or a system for a return. So how are you going to pay for it? And looking at that and how long will it take you to recover that cost? And is it the best use of your time? Yeah, and I think that comes back to opportunity cost, too. What are you not doing by doing this thing that you're working on? Right. Is a huge cost that I see all the time, especially when people do things like, going to run my own social media when I have 20 employees, right? How does somebody else do it? Right. Right. Or things you can farm out, like, why are you still doing your own books? Why are you spending a week doing your taxes? And the opportunity cost of doing something might be... I mean, example might be something, and, and this comes up, and I know I talk about the media side more, but, you know, we're a marketing agency, right. right? It's what we do. So I see that more. But somebody trying to figure out the basics of, like, search optimization <laughs> is a waste of time yeah. for them. Right. Because they could go out and do stuff that will bring in, in many cases, thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars of business in the long run instead of spending a hundred hours trying to learn something technical that by the end of it, they're still not going to know as much as, you know, hiring that. Right. Well, and I, I look at it also, what do people enjoy doing? I know the technical part is not my favorite (laughs) and I, and so I'll try to outsource that as quickly as possible, but it is an investment for a return and your business grows more quickly if you do that, but you do it strategically where you're you're not going to do it everywhere but you're going to choose some strategic investments that will free you up to make more money and get you there faster it does work and especially you want somebody like you who's an expert why would i even attempt to figure out what you know i could never do it because it's (laughs) not my thing for one thing and it's so complicated and it's a moving target all the time yeah a lot of people like to dabble in computer stuff because it seems easy right It has a low barrier to entry and a high opportunity, but the problem is that it's kind of more of a pie-in-the-sky type thing. Everybody wants their posts to go viral, but it's one out of every hundred million posts that actually goes viral, right? right? In quotes. You know, or it's filming your own commercials, or my nephew's got a phone, so he must be good at Facebook. (laughs) That kind of stuff, right? right? I mean, just... Just hire it out to somebody who knows what they're doing. And it's the same goes for any kind of business stuff, right? Like, I mean, the bookkeeping is a perfect example. I don't know how many businesses I talk to that they spend a couple hours a day, you know, working on their (laughs) books. I'm like, do you enjoy doing books? Because it sounds like you hate it when you're talking about it to me. And it sounds like, you know, you're spending 40 hours a month on this. That's like, it's like a quarter of a job that you could hire out to someone else and you could go make money. Right. Well, it's true in anything. You'll get there faster with an expert. Like with you, you'll put a dent in SEO much more quickly if they work with you. Or with business coaching, you'll grow faster if you have a coach. You'll avoid common pitfalls. It's just not a good use of your time. You might as well improve your performance in the area of expertise you have versus everywhere. And we see that a lot with kind of service-based businesses, sort of especially because, you know, like the the guy who was a contractor and he's he's good at building houses and stuff, right? Right. 
and then they get a crew of people working and then it's two crews and then they got three crews and then they got all this money coming in and they got whip and all this other stuff they got to deal with and equipment costs and banking and regulations and insurance bonds and just all of these things start to pile up and like why are you even trying to figure all that out stuff out like when you hire someone who already has experience as an administrator in that field to do exactly yeah that's often where people in that profession get in trouble they really need an office manager because it's just not their skill set and they're not good at it that kind of detail it's like ugh. (laughs) <laughs> and they, I mean, there's lots of stuff that I don't, I like doing technical things, right? I know lots of people hate it, mm-hmm. but I also, there's a lot of things I don't want to do. I need my car to get around. I don't want to work on my car. Mm-hmm. Lots of people love working on cars. I hate yeah. it. I don't like it. I would rather build a computer than change my oil or do any, I don't even bother to change like anything in my well, car. I just take it to the shop and tell them to well, do it. Well, that's where six, they do it. success and fulfillment are related. If you're fulfilled doing an activity, you're going to end up making more money. But if you hate it, it hurts your business. It doesn't help. So it matters. And I always have people kind of watch. Often when you grow, you end up doing all this administrative stuff. It isn't why you started a business. And how can you start to think about what should I offload? How can I do that? So I am leveraged in the best way to keep the business growing. Like that example I gave of that outdoor person, his best skill is at a strategic level, but he never gets there because he's so down in the weeds of editing and rewriting and reviews. And he hadn't taught somebody else how to do that. But now he hiring his first employee and starting to do that, it frees him up to think more strategically and they're having the best months ever. So they're related. They're not separate. People, I think, think they're saving money by doing some of that stuff. They're not. They're losing money. Yeah, and it's hard to see because you can see the dollar sign of, you know, oh, I got to pay my employee's salary and I got to pay taxes and, you know, benefits and whatever to have an employee. Employees are expensive, right? right? I mean, they they just are. Usually one employee is more than your rent unless you have a large facility or something, right? So it's easy to look at that and go, why am I going to spend $10,000 a month on payroll or 100 or whatever it is for your business versus I could just do this myself and save $8,000 of payroll or whatever the amount your employees get paid, right? But then I guess that comes back to opportunity cost. What are you not doing because you're doing all these $20 an hour tasks when you could be doing a $100 an hour task or a $1,000 an hour task? It's a way people keep a lid on their business, even though it's their opposite intention. But they can't grow. If they have that kind of mindset, they're not going to grow past that lane. They can't. Because there's only so much time in the day and there's only so much stuff they can do. And if you're doing, spending all of your time doing these, I mean, they're still valuable tasks. It's stuff that needs to be done, but I would call them low value tasks. I need to find a better word for it. Yeah. But by low value, I mean like they only pay off once and I would rather do something that's compounded, right? Uh It's like when I talk about compound interest. Right. If you understand compound interest, you want to do tasks that compound over time and will get you more and more and more and more business or it will improve the business exponentially, hopefully. Yeah. Right? Instead of doing tasks that are a one-time task that you do it once and then the value of that task is gone. And that's why you hire people to do those tasks because you want to be doing the compounding interest tasks 
and have other people take care of the stuff that is just one and done, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. One thing about that, and we've talked about this in the past also, is about kind of getting to a point where you can start to create processes in your business that other people can follow. And I guess that comes around like you were talking about having a structure of a job mm -hmm. and somebody walks into a job. But if you're creating a job, yeah. right? Like let's say you have no employees mm -hmm. and you're growing your business and you're going to hire your first one or two employees, you have to create some kind of structure for them. Right. Right? Otherwise, you're just spending the time that you were spending on the work that you hire the employee to do by trying to manage the employee to do the work because you don't have any structure in place. Right. You have to have expectations. Absolutely. You have to have right. clear expectations and think through what do you want and spell it out because then the employee is going to be more successful. They're going to be able to enter and be more successful. I remember a job I had once where I was hired and there were two expectations. One of them was, okay, you got to have 100 clients, hours a month, and you need to make your sales target. That was it. There was a job description and other stuff, but it was very clear what my performance was going to be measured on. So I went to work on that. It set me up for right. success. And also, I think a lot of people kind of get distracted by all of the other stuff they could be doing at their job when you don't give them a clear definition of what to be doing. Right. And we have that problem in our business a lot because there's just so many little things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it just kind of falls into the, can you do this? I don't have time to do it. Right. Category, which probably needs to be more like getting people to stay in their specific lane and do their job instead of us kind of constantly handing them little things right. that need to be done. Well, when uh, you're... So, I mean, we can do some improvements yeah, there. But. When you're smaller, you are you kind of all pitch in. You have job descriptions right. and you have areas of accountability, but you just pitch in. As you grow, it requires a little more organization or you can't coordinate action very well between people. And so you need more structure than... It's just not by the seat of your pants. And I'm not saying you're right. doing that, but, you know, it just involves that. I totally do stuff by the seat of my pants all the time. <laughs> but I'm trying not to. But that's the tough. You know, I have that, let me get this thing done. I will just go do it right. myself to see if it's going to work. And then if it does start to work, then I will assign it to an employee. Well, it takes more time to give a task to someone else and train them and than it does to do it ourselves. But... If you don't invest in training people and getting a manual or some sort of procedure so they can follow, you're going to always be doing it all yourself. You'll never get to the next lane if you don't right. learn to produce results through others. And that takes an investment and time and energy. And you learn to be a better manager and a better leader as you do that as well. A better hirer. You know, it's hard to do some of that right. stuff when you're starting out. Yeah, and I think also that kind of goes along the lines of a lot of times people, when they're entrepreneurs and stuff, they'll say, well, I can't hire someone to do it because they're not going to be able to do it as well as I can. Uh -huh. But of course they can't do it as well as you right. can because you've been doing it for however exactly. long, right? And you already were good enough at this thing that you built a business on it. Of course, somebody right. coming in the door isn't going to be as good at it. Right? Yeah, I think of it like parenting, like your daughter, Faith. When I was a parent, I would tell myself, okay, they have not been on the planet as long as I have. <laughs> you know, I can't have this expectation that they would see what I see. 
But you have to set it up so the employee can learn and feel like they're making progress and they're empowered as well. Like I have someone who's a really good writer and editor, but if he's too critical of his staff, they'll give up at some point. He has to find some ways to kind of download how he sees things, where he looks when he writes. So one of the things he started to do is just record. He does a lot of reviews on equipment. So he'll lay out the equipment and he'll record himself talking about, this is how I think about it. This is how I'd organize it. And that helps a lot. Then the employees kind of set up with, oh, they're, they're given a context that then she can start to write and be effective in and get closer to what he's trying to have the outcome be. That's a, I mean, that's a really good idea to record those things. I see a lot of people nowadays when it comes to content and, and editing, even writing books and stuff now, people will just dictate the whole thing, send it to like a VA or somebody who, who basically, or a transcription service like Rev or yeah. something. It's like a dollar a minute or something on Rev. And get the whole thing transcribed and get it 50% of the way there. And then they go back and write right. it. Because now they've, they've, they've already got all the stuff on paper, so now it's just a matter of massaging it a little bit, right, and getting it down, and then and then they can use an editor or whatever right after that. And yeah, anything that just, saves time. Another thing I've told people right. to do is have the employee that they're training write the manual because it serves two purposes. If you read it, you'll see what they're getting and what they're not. You'll also see what you left out and you didn't talk about. And right. you'll have a document. That's a good idea. Um, and you're not doing the work. So it's a three for one. That's right. I like that idea a lot. So... If any of my employees are listening, this is coming. <laughs> Warning, incoming. <laughs> right, incoming work. That was a really good tip. I really like that. I'm going to write it down as we're done. <laughs> Do you have another tip you could give business owners kind of on how to move their business forward if they're stuck? I mean, beyond just call me kind right. of thing. Is there something else they can do, kind of a, a, a predecessor step to that, right? Sure. This is maybe not what most people would say, but... What often happens, a business owner hands something over to employee, the business owner doesn't like how it gets done, and then they take it back, make them wrong and take it back. You really have to be more effective delegating, but you want to keep a pulse on it and I guess not blame employees. So if there's any finger pointing or frustration or you're making somebody wrong, that is setting the culture of your company and it matters. So lots of times we'll point fingers at the employee, like, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Geez, come on. But you always have to look at yourself because the buck stops with you. If they're not able to produce on what you're hoping, then you always want to be looking, okay, what haven't I said? What haven't I done? What's missing? Because the way I look at it is something I always say is an accomplishment is a well-met series of breakdowns. So if you think of any accomplishment in your life, it didn't go like a straight line. Take parenting, for example. You're just beginning. (laughs) I know. My daughter's only three. All my friends, kids, or my my high school friends are all having grandkids. Oh, no. Well, and my kids three. I always think of this time I got a call from Sears Theft Prevention. When my daughter was probably 14 and I went, uh-oh. It's got to be a while ago if it was yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So that was a breakdown. I mean, that wasn't my vision of where she was going to go, be a 
convict or <laughs> stealing stuff. And so it's just a conversation and you meet the breakdown as a parent. It's easier to do that because you're so committed to your kids. But even if you make a bad hire, if you continually improve and look, okay, we missed this. We didn't have this question. We should have looked there. I had another business owner who is a financial planner and they hired someone and they that person had a CFP and they made a lot of assumptions because they were a certified financial planner. But it turned out right. not to be true. <laughs> so right. now they know. So next time they're going to have a different questions or additional questions. But if you you don't give up the goal, you just learn from what happened. So then you're always improving yourself, your leadership, your own integrity. We're just in a culture where we tend to look outside ourselves. You want to be looking at yourself as well, always. Right. And you didn't you didn't fire your daughter and right. get a new one. Okay, she's toast. <laughs> she's out. She's out. Nope. She's 27 and Um, she's not in jail, so she's doing well. Well, you're doing good then. (laughs) One of the things kind of that you hit on there of, you know, kind of the buck stops with me thing for, for, you know, when you're telling an employee that they're doing something wrong. I heard Donald Miller on a podcast from StoryBrand say once, he was saying he likes to play a game called How Is This My Fault? Oh, no. And the idea is if something bad happens in his business or even in his personal life, he says... How is it my fault that this happened? So that in that case, I can then take steps to make sure this doesn't happen right. again. So if I give something to an employee and they don't do it right, then did I not train them right? Did I not give them the materials and the information or the amount right. of time that they need to complete the task? Did I not give them the right direction? And, you know, ultimately it could be, you know, maybe you didn't hire the right person, right? right? Like the example you had. Yeah, I think that's... How is this my fault is a, is a good game right. to play. Well, I would even fine-tune that a little because I tend to help people not even look at fault but and blame, but more like, how can I improve? What did I miss? Right. Your questions were great. I just would not say fault because that's still kind of pointing the blame back at yourself. Well, it does have a yeah. negative connotation so. to it a bit, right? But well, that's great. So... If somebody wants to follow up with you more, I know you're on LinkedIn, but how else can people reach out to you? They can reach me through coachingcollaborative.com. And my email is Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, at coachingcollaborative.com. And you're on LinkedIn. I am. And I know you post good videos on LinkedIn. Oh, thank you. I encourage people to find Carrie Walls from Coaching Collaborative on LinkedIn also. I think... We should probably leave it off there. We're kind of getting a little longer on time than we were talking about doing originally. But, uh, yeah, we had some great tips and information. So I think it's going to really help a lot okay, of people. Okay, that's great. It's been a pleasure talking with you. All right. It was good talking to you. See you okay, soon, Okay. Take care. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Markoff. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we talk about travel agents and how they do still exist with Julie Golzarian from All Plan Travel. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. 
We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.